understand the impact fathers have. My mother and father were married. They were very young. My father was abusive to my mother, to my brother, somewhat to me. Um, he was in the military. We were in Germany. My mom left him when I was four years old. He was having multiple affairs. And I came back to Texas, and I hardly saw him after that until he decided to take his life after having been diagnosed with cancer. He wanted to make amends. He wanted to make me understand where he was coming from. And then he took his life. That is a wound I've had to live with. That happened not that long ago. He died in 2008. I was four when my mom left him. I saw him a handful of times. I'm a woman of a certain age, right? I'm not married. I've had failed relationships. I have great relationships with my children, but I can't seem to make the other ones work. Is it my selection? Is it what I do? Is it the men I'm drawn to? Is it that fear of abandonment and wanting to hang on even when it's not good? What is it? And the more I've gotten into this work, I've really understood the impact of my dad not being there has had on me. I have my grandparents. My mom was eventually diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. It's a handicap she had to live with forever. My grandparents were there. And they were both alcoholics, and my grandfather was abusive. And you wonder why I get into this work, right? It all makes sense when you step back and look at it. But not having my father around, not fully understanding what it's like to have a man in my life, being at my girlfriend's houses when their dads are there and I feel weird, because I don't know what that's supposed to feel like. Why is he here? I don't get it. It was very, very hard. It was very impactful. And it still continues to impact me to this day. And I'm still trying to work through it. So there are reasons that we're discussing men's mental health today. It's something that we don't really talk about. We've got two counselors who are going to come up here and talk with you. I wanted to share with you their heart. They came to talk with me about what is it that you need us to do. And they stopped us and they said, what can we do for you? What's going on with you? That's the heart of these two gentlemen who are going to come up today. So they are two local counselors. They do a lot of work with men. Some of you are carrying cups for some unknown reason. You're going to figure out why here in just a little bit. But I did want to share, there's a Canadian sports announcer. He's a commentator, and he's a mental health advocate. His name's Mauro Ronaldo. He said, I believe the biggest stigma right now with mental health is that a lot of men are not talking about it. So we're going to change that today, okay? We're going to change that today because it's important, right? So this morning we have got Robbie Martin and Chuck Olaf. They're counselors here locally. I said you're carrying some cups. You're going to figure out what that's about here soon. But they're going to come talk about the pursuit of purpose, which I think is important for all of us to have as we move forward in life. And then we're going to start talking about some men's mental health issues. So if you would, please welcome Robbie Martin and Chuck Olaf to the stage. Thank you. Well, to get us started, I'd like to say thank you to Buckner for inviting us out to make us a part of this. And secondarily, thank you to all of you for showing up. I mean, this doesn't make a difference if you don't show up, so you are the difference. Thank you. Uh, so to kind of break the ice, I'm going to do something that you're probably going to be like, oh, my God. So I'd like to get everybody up. Stand up. Now, 
I'm going to ask a few questions. And as I ask the questions, just sit down if, it, if, if the answer is yes. Okay? If the answer is yes, you'll take your seat. So, are you a mom? Are you a woman? Are you a girl? Very good, Jim. Very good. All right. So, I'm going to reverse my first instructions. If you're a father, raise your hand. Very good, very good. If you're going to be a father, raise your hand. Yeah, okay. All right. So, you guys are the reason that this is all happening, right? You're, you're the reason we're here. So, thank you for showing up today. Uh, yes, yes. yes. From what I understand, the city, you correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the biggest turnout. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys have broken the record. Yeah. All right. So, if you had a dad in your home growing up, sit down. All of you who are still standing. Raised by your mom or a female? <coughs> Did you have a man as a mentor in your life? <coughs> Not until you got grown. So, did any of you guys have a father figure in your life that was able to mentor you? Okay. So, you guys that are dads, think about this that's represented here today. You guys that are standing here. Y'all all are either dads or dads to be, right? All of you. So imagine yourself as your dad. And you get to represent what you didn't have, right? That's huge, right? You're building the future, right? So I, I want you guys to get a special round of applause because you are So at this time, I'm going to let uh, Mr. Charles Olaf do some talking, and I'm going to shut up. I'm going to quit uh, pacing back and forth. But uh, thank you guys for having us, and thank you for letting me torture you for a few seconds. Thank you, Rob. Keep this away a little bit. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, and uh, we've got a nice little, uh, little cloudy morning. My weather is as confused as it always is here, right? So that being said, uh, we're going to talk about tools, and appreciate uh, Ron's presentation of tools. Uh, my tool is not necessarily in a tool bag, but I'm going to pull it from a passage. And so if you're taking notes today, some of you have notebooks, some of you have things like that, you're welcome to write this down. But in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, Paul writes, Whoever has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands for those in need. That's my tool. What you going to do with your hand? Most of us came in today and... You know, we, we shook hands, we, 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 we touched people on the shoulders, we, we picked up pens, we made notes. Uh, some of you some of you graciously took the cup from our hand. Thank you, men, for that. And this is, that is the tool. We're going to lead up to that tool in a little bit. We're going to talk about how to use that tool as effectively as humanly possible, but more specifically, as God intended. So let's first start talking a little bit about the truth. 
The truth is the only way. And I know that's, that's an easy concept. But at the very beginning of that passage, it starts like this. Therefore, each of us must put out falsehood and speak truthful to our neighbors because we're all members of one body. We're all connected. Everybody's connected. We talk about familial connections. You know, uh, 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 children and parents, and then, of course, you got partners and spouses, and, and there's all these connections, and it only works with the truth. This building is standing because of the truth. It's, the engineers came in, they designed it, they constructed it, they put it together, and it still functions because it's built on truth. And it, it will stand indefinitely. We don't know how long it will stand. So most of us are here today, good or not, mostly good, of course, because of your motivations, as the result of a legacy. That legacy is the truth. And it's not genetics, okay? Our, our, God, our God doesn't judge genetics. He creates them, okay? So we don't talk about genetics, okay? What we talk about is this, the truth. So he said you got to put off the falsehood. Well, what happens when we get falsehood in our life? Maybe it is uh, uh, a, uh, a concept that's not sustainable. Maybe it is a statement that you find out later is not so. Maybe it is uh, the idea of what commitment we think should be, and then we find out, like a city uh, shared in her, fa her family history, well, obviously that commitment wasn't kept for whatever reasons. Now, we on the receiving end, part of what we do as coaches, coaches and counselors is help people reform the idea that you are now your own concept. You are not the inheritor of a concept. It may have come for a moment, but it only lasts as long as you want it to. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today, or for the cup support. But what happens as a result of this, of this lack of truth, this falsehood, it begins to put us in a situation where we feel um, we feel the effects. So one of the effects that we deal with quite often are the I, I call it the, the, the four corners of anxiety. Anxiety being one. Worry, stress, and fear. They're all cousins. They all operate together. So raise your hand if you have anxiety at some point in time in your day. Let me tell you how good company you're in. A, 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 a passage relating to one of those four concepts is mentioned in Scripture 365 times. Are you aware of that? that so what does that mean? That means the created are going to worry. What are we going to worry about? Anything, everything. I'll put it on the slightest scale for you today. Okay, some of you probably ate breakfast. Some of you skipped it to lunch, but the hard lunch is really good. So that being said, that little bit of hunger that you experience, that's actually worry. Okay, if you go back into our, our ancestry, and we're talking like thousands and thousands of years ago, well, they, that's what they, they got up and they went and ate every day. They didn't have refrigerators or Chick-fil-A or whatever. Okay, they had to guess what they did. They got up and they just... They, they started the pursuit of survival. Well, it's still in our DNA. So when I'm hungry, I start to sense that just a little bit. Now, we don't hardly notice it because I can go to the fridge and I'll find something to eat. I'll open the door and I'll, I'll make it happen for this meal. I may do something better for the next time. But that is a little bit of an experience of anxiety. So I want you to understand it's, it's okay. Another connector to anxiety is depression. So depression uh, there is clinical, you're born with it or you're not, okay? That could be like bipolar or something along those lines. You either have it or you don't, okay? It's not a judgment, it's, 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 in, it's genetic. But most of us experience what we call circumstantial. 
So if I was to uh, uh, walk out into the yard and I stepped in some soft earth and I pull my foot back, and now there's, a, there's this impression in the ground. That is a depression below the preferred average. That's what depression is. And immediately that hole in Southeast Texas, what's that hole going to fill with? Water. That's the emotion. Okay? Our job as functional people is to get it out. So typically what we do, and we're going to talk a little bit about that as we go on today, is we get it out the best, most reactive way we can. So if you have a yard and there's mud in your yard, you go to your shed and you go grab a tool, and it's usually some earth digger, and you just start digging a trench until the water makes it to the lowest next point. We'll call that maybe the ditch. Well, when I'm, after I'm through tearing this hole, I look back and I realize I've made a bigger mess than when I started because now I got dirt all over the place, but the water's not in the hole. So ideally, what we want to do is we want to put in a system, a system helping those in need using the tools. Maybe it's in, in this area, maybe it's a French drain. Who in here knows what a French drain is? Yeah, you got the perforated pipes, you clip them so the water will drain out. But it moves, that's what you want. And so that way you can deal with this depression as it comes. Why then do we have these reoccurring situations? Some of it's learned, okay? It's, it's learned habits. We're going to talk about that as we go today. And thus we attract ourselves to a habitat that reinforces those habits. So a lot of us have made adult decisions to say, I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I don't want to think like that. I want to think better. Who in here wants to think better every day? Yes, that's right. What do we call people who do it better every day? Winners. I want to be a winner. Everybody say winner. winner. Yes. And if you played on enough sports teams, you know you didn't win every game. But you figured out how to do something well, and that's why you still enjoy the game. And the game doesn't have to be the sport. The game can be my work or my family or my friends or my passions. That's my game, okay? So when I coach sports, I wasn't coaching young men and women to learn how to play basketball. I was trying to teach them to be adults using some stupid sport that's been around for 70 years, okay? What about that? It was about adulting. It was about creating habits. So they would later grow up and create their own habitat. That reinforces those habits. But unfortunately, and I think we can all say this, when we have those common concepts of anxiety, we start building reactions to that, being a reactor. And reactions are what you're going to learn about in this concept in just a moment. Those are the synonyms of being a reactor rather than a creator. And Rob's going to talk more about that a little bit later on. But as a reactor, typically, that here's how that passage works. So put off falsehoods, speak truthful. Then he says, in your anger, do not sin. Y'all heard that one before? Okay. Well, how do we do that? Either by malice, which is intent, I want you to know it, or by rage. That's when the knuckle meets the nose. Okay. And most of us are not rageful people, but we can do some passive-aggressive stuff. Yeah, you know, I don't call back as quick as I should. Maybe I'm a little lazy sometimes. That's a lot of that, that concept. That has a prerequisite. What's the prerequisite? The requisite is seasons. So outside of the children, most everybody in this room is 30 and up, okay? Which is 
means we have had, if you think about it, break it down into little semesters, we've had hundreds of seasons of life for us to either reiterate the good or the bad or to recreate. We are designed to be these creators. That's what we're born to do. We create things all the time. If you've ever sit, uh, I'll tell you what, we've all went to school to some level. Raise your hand if you actually participated in, say, like writing a story or given a concept by a teacher and they said, okay, now come up with a solution. You wrote, wrote essays, so that's right. So what you've done is you created something. You took all these concepts up to, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old, and they said, now write a story. And you wrote a story based on characters that maybe you have, were familiar with or you enjoyed or what have you. You put them in a little scenario, maybe they're all going to the park. I don't, I don't know what the story was. Regardless, that's the use we're talking about. I don't have to stay conformed to the story I was given. Like these men who were talking about the father situations. I can create a new story. And that's what we're going to go, go for later on today. When I come back in a little bit, we're going to talk about some of the, the risk that happened. We put ourselves in these risky situations when we do not mature in our moments. Not enough. And then we start supplementing that with some risky things. You gave me some anxieties, right? talking about shovels. And, I mean, I don't know who else in the audience, but my hands are kind of allergic to those things. You know, once upon a time, I, I was pretty familiar with one, but nowadays I don't speak that language anymore. I've kind of, I've kind of learned to speak a different, a different talk. And then he got me anxious again. He started talking about age. That's 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 an anxious subject, Joe. What are you doing to these people? We got ladies in the audience. Right? Right? So, isn't that the Southern concept? I'm sorry, I I have lots of lovely ladies in my life, but if you're from the South, gentlemen, you never ask their age, you never ask how much they weigh, you never look at their purse. And you never ask if they're pregnant. And you never ask That's a big one, right? Y'all, I just became a grandfather for the first time a few months ago, and my daughter, she works for Casa, and, uh, you know, she's you guys can relate. She's still carrying some of the weight. It's not as easy to lose. And I was over there visiting my grandson the other night, and she was angry. She was living. She had gone to one of her one of her Casey's house, uh, working for Casa, and the mom said, "Are you pregnant again?" And I just, you know, I'm her dad. I can't even respond as her dad. What can I say? You know, you talk about anxiety. I, I wanted to crawl under the couch. I didn't know what to say. So I'm going to give you all a third dose of anxiety. Are you all ready? Who here that's not a part of the program would be willing to answer a question for me? It's just one question, and I promise you can't get it wrong. This man right here. Okay, I'm going to walk over to you. So if you would for me, tell me in your own words, what does it mean to be a father? Uh. Can't say the wrong answer. Spend the time you join the right family. Mostly loving them and not trying to boss them around and get them out there on the food. That's a beautiful answer. And sometimes, as parents, I'm a, I'm a grandfather, a great grandfather. And let them grow up and don't let them grow up too fast. And spend much time with them. That's beautiful. You know what I heard? You know what I heard in your answer? 
Wisdom. Wisdom. Everybody else here too? Does anybody else have another answer, another another addition to this wonderful definition of fatherhood? As a being in your kid's life, and if they make mistakes or anything, just guide them in the right direction. Tell them right from wrong. Because they could go the wrong way and you could just say, hey, try it this way. So helping them out pretty much when they going in the wrong direction and try to guide them. But it can be better than you as, well, as they get older. Thank you very much. That's great. That's a beautiful answer. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. We've got two great and wise answers so far. Anybody else want to volunteer? I got one. Oh, oh. It's one word. I like that. That's a good word. It's a good word. Y'all make a new walk. Giving me anxiety. I never. Uh, the good of my kids. Oh, that's good. So I'm home and I just did encourage them so they can do better next time. You know, but we're living. That is wonderful. That is wonderful. Thank you. What's you? We're going to get a bearded answer here. Uh, archery to prepare them and set them on the target so when they're eligible and ready to leave, that they'll be able to hit that, hit that mark. Are you shooting at your kids? With errors? <laughs> no, we, we do like to play in the woods and go fishing and all that, but, you know, making sure that they stay on that target, you know. Uh, as a father, you know, I want my kids to succeed better than, than me. And uh, my dad told me that recently. He said, son, I want you to be a better father, a better husband than, than what I was, that example. And I could see it even within myself with my children, that corresponding relationship with my father, that man, he, he did it, and he was trying, and it hits it hits home to see that that dynamic with my kids. Thank you. That's that's wonderful. That's wonderful. His kids, by the way, have some of the fastest reflexes. I don't know him. I'm just guessing. But since he's shooting at him, you know. He, they, <laughs> who, who in here had that concept as Dan was talking of the Adam Sandler movie where they shoot the arrow up? And they're supposed to run from it. And, yeah. If you, if you ever go back and watch the movie, that's even the yard, Dan. So how many of you, when you saw us get up here today, you thought, okay, we're about to get you know, more public speaking, probably death by PowerPoint. Who knows what's fixing to happen? They went to the conference school and learned how to talk at conferences, right? Anybody think that? Good. I like that. I like that. So those were some wonderful, wonderful ways to define fatherhood and, and talk about being a father and how to, how to impart wisdom on the kids. So one thing, one overarching premise that I heard was that we want our kids to have a better shot than we have, to become better people than we were. Well, how, how, what is a good method? This is, I'm involving y'all again. What is a good method to inspire your kids to become better than you? Can anyone tell me a good method? Because the method is more, is not as important as the message. So I want your message to describe it. Expose your kids to the harsh realities of the world. So when it's, they're exposed to those situations and they have to make their own choices, they understand the harsh reality of making a choice that when they can't blame no one else because when they look in their mirror, their choice is a reflection of what is 
have, you know, their choices, their direct choices is a direct reflection of the things that happen in their lives. But we prepare them as parents based off our wisdom and experience by exposing them to that. So once it's their time to make those choices, we prepare them. I think that was beautiful. And if you don't mind, if I could translate a little bit, I'm going to, I'm going to put that into three words, just kind of sum that up from what I could understand. Let them fail. Would you agree with that? And I, I agree with that concept wholeheartedly. Oftentimes as parents, as dads especially, we make this attempt to shelter our kids, to give them a better life than we had. But what have we done when we do that? We actually disable them, right? We stop them from learning how to cope, from learning how to deal with the realities, like he said, of real human life, right? So something that we're going to talk about today uh, is do, as a dad, is it your responsibility to have the answers? Sometimes. What if, and you're going to hear us say this a lot, okay? These two words, what if. I would challenge you each to adopt this into your mind as a practice, okay? What if, what if, instead of having the answers all the time, what if you simply had the questions? What would change? What would change? Can you do that with a four-year-old? Can you do that with a five-year-old? Why not? Do they have to? I'll say this. Uh, we've talked a little bit about, about our first meeting and things at Buckner. Uh, I'm going to expose a little bit of my, my personal life. I have been dad to eight kids in all different walks of life, different types of circumstances. Okay? Uh, and at each, every age, and we, we've adopted kids, and we have blended family, and uh, and I was also adopted, just to give it a little background. But what I can tell you is, these kids have a much better concept of life than you could possibly imagine. Oftentimes, we look at little people, and we think, because they're small, they don't get it. The sad truth is, oftentimes, they get it more than we do, and they see right through you. So when you're thinking that you're being the answer man, in truth, they can see your anxiety. They can see your feet. They can see your doubt. And all they really want is to know that it's okay to not have the answer. Wouldn't it feel better? Wouldn't it feel free if instead of being the answer man, you were the question man? When your kid comes to you, instead of telling them what to do, you have a question for them to answer. Right? How validated would that be? Right? So, who all in the room has a cup? Who's cheating? Who's cheating with the cup? I gave y'all some instructions. I gave everybody I handed a cup to, I gave some specific instructions. Has anybody lifted the cup up and looked at the bottom, even though I told you not to? Good, good man, good man. Okay. So who has anxiety about standing in front of a group of people? Ah, I love it. I meant to raise my hand too. I'm sorry. Okay. So 
Today, we're going to get over that anxiety. All right? It doesn't mean that you're going to get up here and get a speech or anything like that. But we're going to do a little, a little visual demonstration. Okay? Uh, if you would, let's see. Those of you with a ping pong ball, stay seated. Everybody without a ping pong ball, if you wouldn't mind, get up and form a single file line right away. I like that. Y'all are doing the shoulder to shoulder thing. That's great. Duncan's put speed down. Let's get everybody up. All right, is everybody? Okay, now we're going to start at this end. I'm going to hand them the mic. They're going to tell their life story. And we're just going to pass it down. Is that good? Yeah? I'm kidding. So what I want to show you guys is what happens. We're going to, we're going to play pretend, okay? And what is a, a father's job? Does it ever end? No. If you had to give a single word uh, definition of fatherhood, if I did, it would be to be a mentor. Right? Well, what is a mentor? What is a mentor? Is he the guy with all the answers? Think about the best conversations you've ever had with anybody in your life. Can you picture that? Can you think about that? What did those conversations have? What was so valuable about them? What do you think? Uh, passing of information back to How does information go from one person to another? Sender, message, receiver. How do you, as a father, as a man, as a person, how do you provoke someone to give you information? You want to listen? What do you do for somebody to provoke Last question. There it is. That's the one I was looking for. So, in order to show someone that their point of view matters, in order to validate someone as a human, what must we do? We must ask questions. So, if you begin the practice of being the question man versus the answer man, what would happen with every relationship in your life? How many of y'all's wives are sitting out here? These guys with the cups? You got a wife out here? Any of y'all? Ladies, if your husband came home and suddenly started asking questions and then listening to the answers, what would happen in the house? What would happen? They all rolled their eyes, didn't they? I got away so they could do it without me looking. They all, like, every man in the room was like. It doesn't mean you have to sit there and listen to an hour tirade about what all you did wrong. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about if you came home or if you woke up in the morning and when you saw your wife, your kid, your son, whoever it was, or if you showed up at work, and instead of, how many of you are supervisors at work? Any of you? Uh, we got a couple of those. What if you supervised your people with questions instead of answers? What a difference would that make? So in every relationship in your life, 
as a man of questions, what do you think would happen? What do you think would happen? Tom says be, be, be more productive. Gross. Gross. But would it be one-sided? No. No. So what happens to the person that gets asked the question in their life? Okay? You validate. Yes. Yes. So one of the key roles, in my opinion, in a father's role, one of the key elements to his role is to validate every person that he has a relationship with. Can anyone, anyone in the room give me a different role that's more important than validating? I don't think so. I, I, I can't. Can you think of anything? So think about this. If the father's role is to validate all those he comes in contact with, especially his children, if that's his role, what happens in the home when there is no father? When there is no father figure. So imagine if they don't have the tools to see themselves as validated humans, what are they going to do when they become adults? That they'll turn to anything. They have a void in their life that they don't know how to fill. Right? They don't, not only do they not know how to fill it, but they don't know where to even look. Like it's just a state of chaos and confusion inside, and they don't even know why. Right? That's how important your role is. You are an essential element. No less valuable than air or water. Okay? So here we go. Let's play the game. So behind you guys, y'all see the, the picture of ping pong balls. Now those of you out there, some of you have ping pong balls and you've probably already read the little ping pong ball. On each of those ping pong balls is a little handwritten and my handwriting is terrible. So I apologize for that. But a little handwritten thing, and everything that's written on them represents the negative feelings and experiences that we have, right? And people look at men as though we are supposed to be tough, right? We're supposed to be tough, macho, have the answers. But the truth is, men have more anxiety. We have more feelings of self-doubt, more feelings of not being enough than women, if you can imagine. And the reason is, we stuff. We stuff, don't we? You take that, all that stuff, and you stuff it down, and then it goes down further. And by the time it's over with, you got a rock down in this area. And you're never taught how to talk about those things. You're taught that if you do, you're what? Yes. But what I'm going to tell you is, if you give someone in your life the opportunity to talk about those things, here's what it's going to look like. Are y'all ready? So this represents all those negative things. This is a man who went through his life without a stable father figure in his life. Okay? That's what this vessel represents. So watch this. He's going to learn to be a mentor. So he's going to start asking questions instead of being responsible for all the answers. Right? So, I'm going to start with you because you're being so cooperative. You look happy and everything. So, I'm going to ask you a question, and as you give me the answer, I want you to just give me the answer and pour your water in there, okay? You ready? What's your earliest memory? That's a good question. Uh, earliest memory with my mom 
took me and my friend out to movies. So what did y'all go see? Well, that's okay. The experience is what kind. Did you get snack food? What'd you get? Can you still remember the smell of it? That's awesome. You know how old you were? Important memories. I hope you make those memories in the future. Thank you for participating. Help is yours, though. You can keep it. Yeah, look at the bottle. Now, what does it say on the bottom of your cup? Joy. Did you experience joy? See what happens when you're able to pour out your cup. Fascinating, right? Yes, release. No more anxiety about why you're standing up here. No more having to be the answer, man. Be the question. All right? Go practice that. Thank you, brother. All right. So let's see. Mm. He's over here staring at me like. He's like, in his mind, he's like, go to him. Go to him. I ain't ready. Go, go to him. <laughs> I'm terrible. I should be ashamed of myself. I'm not. But I should be ashamed. All right. So, how old were you when you learned to drive? Sixteen. Who taught you? <laughs> Who is that man? My dad. Look at this. We got a father and son here. At the father and son. That is awesome. I, I, I really applaud you for coming here and bringing your son with you. That is awesome. So, oh, oh, we got the other way. Well, I applaud you. My goodness, that is amazing. Go ahead and pour your cup out. What does it say on the bottom of your cup? So how does, what, is, what does that mean to you? I mean, I, I can see some of that already right here. Being stable and having that support system, somebody you can go to. And it looks like you have that in your life, doesn't it? Well, I'm proud of you, man. Thank you for participating. All right, are you ready? You don't look, you look like you're a little nervous. Are you nervous? You, yeah, yeah. What's your earliest childhood memory? I love these. These are good. I remember when, like, driving with my dad, you know, just down the back roads back home and stuff, and just listening to his stories and hearing him growing up and learning from what was back home? Where was back home? Livingston, Texas. All right. Is your dad still with us? He's still alive? Do you still have a good relationship with him? So you see how that little thing, just driving on some back roads, listening to stories, talking to each other, little bitty things, right? Validated him. It's stuck with him. That's important. Wait for that. All right. What's on the bottom of your cup? Safety. How did you feel when you were with your dad? There you go. See, when we're able to pour out what we have inside of us, when we offer the opportunity for other people to pour out what they have inside of them, they're able to realize the things that they may not see in themselves that they possess. They, that they're able to gain a sense of confidence, a sense of validation, a sense of self-worth. Thank you, brother. So how many of you had any idea that this was going to happen to you when I handed you the cup this morning? And I, I, I see that yours must have a, a pink on top of it. Okay. Okay. So is anybody mad at me? 
Does anybody regret saying yes when I asked for their help? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. At what age did you learn? Did you learn to ride a bike as a kid? How old were you? Uh, I was probably about six or seven. Who taught you to ride a bike? My father. Really? Did your dad sit with you today? He's still alive. Very good. Do you have a, a close relationship with your dad? So today I do. How many kids you got? I have one daughter. How old is she? 17. Did you teach her to ride a bike? Yes, sir, and I taught her how to drive. Ah, yes. Yes. Any of you who may or may not follow me on Facebook or whatever, uh, my 17-year-old, I took her on her first drive. She's been afraid to drive. Was yours that way? She was, I don't know what it is these days. You know, when I was young, I, you couldn't get out of my way. I wanted to drive. But my daughters these days, they, it's a strange phenomenon. They're not really that interested. So... How impactful was that to you, learning to ride a bike for your day? Uh, it was a memory that will never go away. It stuck to me. It was, it was a big impact. Fatherhood, you know. That's amazing. He created a legacy in you in that one small thing. Seemingly small. Not so small. Would you mind pouring that out for me? All right, are you ready? What are you nervous for? Everyone else has already gone before you. Are you really nervous? You're nervous. All right, let's see. What, what was your earliest childhood memory? I love that. I was always dead, grandpa. Hunting? All right. How old were you? About eight. So it was dad and grandpa. Well, that's a blessing. Is your dad still with you? Yes. Do y'all still go hunting? When there's time. I kind of pushed away. Well, we all do things like that. We all, it's okay. There's no shame, okay? We ain't carrying shame up here. We're going to pour that out. All right? Well, I appreciate you sharing that with us. That's a huge memory. Huge. Way to pour that out. Now, y'all notice as this happens, and I'm going to tell you what some of these things say. Unworthiness. Here, take that with you. What's your cup say? Peace. Look at that. Now, you take that, and you read that. Okay? You are worthy. Let that unworthiness just fall out of your cup. Okay? Not ready. How many dads felt not ready before you had your kids? How many of you feel not ready every day? Right? Guilt. Anybody feel guilt? Yeah? What do you feel guilt for? There's a key word to something you said there. Back to you. But there's a key word to something you said there. Feeling. Feeling. Everything he just said, he centered it around a, a way he felt. What do our feelings do to us? This was not part of the plan program, okay? But we're going to add it in. What do our feelings do? Do you trust your feelings? Feelings are a fascinating phenomenon, okay? Your feelings will lie to you. Your feelings will bring you in the wrong direction, right? You know what I trust? Results. Results every time. What are you the result of? The result of a, I have a daughter that's in college that's 17. I have a son that's attending um, Beaumont Early. 
ecology form. He's in the tenth grade and junior college at the same time. I have a three-year-old daughter, Mina. Um, nine, well, she's about to be nine years old. She's eight years old. She's looking at me crazy right now. <laughs> right now you He's got anxiety. Don't do that. <laughs> that's really excelling in school. And I have a brand new baby that's four months. You know, a new son that's four months. So for a kid without a dad in his life, and a parent that was a drug addict that has recovered and always was there for me, always showed me love and support. I was able to transport that feeling to make sure I wanted to give my kids stability and security and how it's have someone to know, to know what it feels to always have someone to be with. So that's what I'm going But you went a little above and beyond. You you answered what you are the result of, but you also illustrated how you produce results, and I'm proud of you. That's a great story right there. Got me choked up. All right, so I'm going to ask you, what is your earliest childhood memory? Uh, fishing with my dad. What kind of fish? Was salt water or fresh water? Fresh water. What'd you get? Catfish. Really? How old were you? Uh, about nine. Was it trout line or were you bottom? And, and may I add, um, this was at a, one of those catfish ponds that you pay by the pound, and it was a good day. Well, I'm going to add that Dad knew what he was doing. Well, he, he may have known what he was doing, but he, the look on his face said, I'm going to have to pay for this. He wasn't, he wasn't <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. So have you been able to, to pass that same experience on to your, your your kids? I mean, now do you have do you have kids and grandkids or just just kids? Very good. I'm proud of you. Thank you for sharing that with me. If you wouldn't mind, pour that up for me. Let's see what the bottom of your cup says. What's it say? Well, I'll tell you what, this man right here has lived his life with ambition. Look at him. Look at him. I mean, he is a, a fine example of a father, and I appreciate you coming up here and being part of this today. Thank you. No. All right, well, let's see. At what age did you learn to drive a car? 15. Oh, I'm going to step this up a notch, y'all. Was it a manual transmission? You did learn to drive a manual when you were when you were a kid, or was it like fifteen? All right. What was the most memorable experience about learning to drive a car? Freedom. You didn't get the freedom when you were learning, though, did you? That that came a little bit later. Did that? It, it does seem to me, if there's a dad present in the room, that it's more dads teaching kids to drive. Does everybody agree with that? I think it's because the moms are afraid. That's just my assessment. In my home, that's what it is. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, how many how many kids do you have? Two kids. What's the next? Uh, my son's 18, fits to be 19, and my daughter's 16, going on 21. <laughs> she tell you how to live your life? Yeah. yeah. 
That's what we need them for to keep us, you know, centered. There you go. Let's pour your cup out and see what What's it say on there? Value. Well, I'm telling you, man, this guy brought some value to the states this morning, and it sounds to me like you've, you've imparted a lot of value into your kids. I appreciate you being a part of this today. Thank you for coming to Father Perfection. All right. I'm doing fine. How are you doing? You're a well-dressed guy. Got your hair off. Give style lessons. You're handsome. There you go. See, you do give style lessons. And I'm going to tell you, all of you probably know this, but your kids are little mirrors. I mean, look at this young man and dad. I mean, if you stood them up next to each other, I mean, one's just a small version of the other one. You dress like him and everything. Got it going on. Got the hair headed that way. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> So what's your earliest childhood memory? <clears throat> laying bricks with my grandpa and my dad. Got you had three generations there laying bricks. Now, how old were you when that happened? But eight, and I got this for you for that. Oh. <laughs> He's carrying a trophy. He's a winner. Check this out. He's got the evidence to prove it. So every time you look at that thumb, do you regret it? No, never. See, and that's what we think. Like what you were talking about earlier, how you said that we need to let him experience the difficulties of life. At eight years old, he was laying bricks with his dad and his grandpa, right? He has no regret over it. He is not bitter over it, and he, you know, he kind of demolished his thumb. <coughs> but that's a reminder of the legacy that he carries. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Pour your water and see what happens. It's on the bottom of that cup. Yeah. Wow. What does that word mean to you? <clears throat> what is confidence? I get everything. Are you a confident man? I wasn't, but I am now. Good. I love to hear that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Come on up here. Now, this guy likes to talk. I could probably just hand him the microphone and let him take over. All right. So, what's your earliest childhood memory? Hiding under the pews at church, going under the pews, and my mom snagging me up. That's my earliest childhood memory. I think I was like five or six. Did dad get you when you got home? Uh, no, he wasn't around back then. Oh, okay. So, is that memory, since you were being a little, you know, little church demon, I was one of those, since you were being a little church demon, is that a good memory? Or a bad memory? For me, it was uh, it's a good memory because uh, when I was little, I grew up you know grew up in church. I was you know, kind of a drug baby. I was dragged to church on you know Monday nights, Bible study, Wednesday night, Awanas, you know, uh, kids camp and all that. So I want the same thing for my kids and try to allot them the opportunity to have that relationship with the, with the Lord. So he shoots at his kids with arrows, and he wants his kids to be drug makers. Father of the year, uh, ladies and gentlemen, he's on the way. No, but that's great, man. That's great. Uh, would you mind pouring out your, your cup? Let's see what happens. This one's you. You're going home now. 
Love. Now, how does that does that does that seem like an appropriate word to have on the bottom of your cup? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Sir. Well, I appreciate you participating with us today. Thanks for being here. All right, Mr. Cheeky Man. Yeah. So, how many kids you got? You got four kids. What are their ages? Uh, 22, 15, 7, and 6. Wow. You kind of like me. I mean, I got I got you beating the number, but the age spread is very similar. Very similar. Are you an active part of their lives? Yes, yes sir. All right. I like that. You said it with confidence. All right. So, what is your earliest childhood memory? And it doesn't, I mean, there's no shame in anything. Getting my first bicycle. Just getting the bike? Riding it, learning how to ride it, getting it. My mother did. Very good. So, how long did it take you to learn how to ride it? Until I ran into the car and got knocked off the bike. <laughs> Not long at all. So, when you ran into the car, did you get punished for that? Or was it just an accident while you were under? Okay. Did you feel bad? No, I didn't. I was, I was mad because I fell off. <laughs> So it, even though you fell off and you hit the car and all that kind of stuff, do you think that's a good memory? Yes, I do. Well, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Would you mind pouring your water out? I want you to take that with you as a reminder from today. Thank you for participating with us and thank you for being here today. Thank you. That's all. It's always the talking. You know, it makes me feel insecure. It gives me anxiety. <laughs> How old were you when you learned to drive? Fifteen years old. Who taught you? Very good. Very good. So, how long did it take you to learn to drive? You had a pretty good sense of spatial awareness and all that stuff when you started. Did you learn to drive a standard or was it automatic? When you first learned, was it? When I first learned, automatic. I can't, I, very good. I can't wait. I, I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to provoke anybody to give you the wrong answer, but I would love to hear somebody's experience learning to drive a standard as their first car. That would be fun. Oh, that's, that's what he learned? That's great. That's great. So, what was the most valuable part of that memory. I think the most valuable was just the time of the conversations we had while driving and watching him get scared. <laughs> Did y'all hear that? It wasn't about the car. It wasn't about the freedom. It wasn't about him. Even. It was about the time he spent with his dad, right? It was about him getting to see, and correct me if I'm wrong, he got to see the, the humanity of his father with the fear in his eyes when he's... <laughs> When he thought he was about to die, me Jesus, he got to see that his father was just a man. You know? Thank you for sharing. Go ahead and put that. <laughs> What's the bottom of your cup say? Did your dad make you feel like you belong? I did. Pray the whole family. Do you feel like that is a tradition that you carry on? Helping. Very good. Thank you for participating. Thank you very much. So, when I was handing out the cups, uh, he was one of my early victims, and he really looked like I had just, like, handed him a bomb. Like, I handed it to him, and he was like, I'm not really good at things like this. 
<laughs> I was like, dude, I promise. It's not a big deal. So did I keep my word? It wasn't a big deal, right? Any anxiety whatsoever at all right now? Good, good. What's your earliest childhood memory? Mm, well, I think my earliest childhood memory is uh, five, six years old. My stepdad, I my biological father, but I remember walking in from outside and watching him pick up a, a big console TV. And he threw it across the room on my mom. And it kind of went through the wall. And uh, I remember that. I remember I went back outside and my mom was seen following. And uh, I remember the last time I got seen my dad after that. And that was your biological father? Well, there was a couple times after that. There was another time she had to pick me up from the bar. That he brought me to on his motorcycle on about three foot of snow outside. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was pretty, pretty out there. It definitely stuck with you, didn't it? How old were you when it happened? Uh, four or five ish. I think my mom finally left my dad when I was five or six, something like that. Just kind of had enough, you know. You mentioned the stepdad. Did you have a stepdad? That, that, yeah, I had a stepdad who really wasn't any better. You know, I, uh, just, you know, waking up Christmas morning, knowing that we had presents, me and my sister pictures, man, and he would be, all the presents would be gone, and, and he would done, he'd done take off to go smoke crack and stuff like that, you know. And I just, you know, just upset with my mom. I watched my mom be upset, you know, because here it is Christmas morning. You know, and I just wouldn't be the first or second time that we've done it. You know, but, but for her, it was just kind of one of those deals. But with her, with us being down here, not being where we're originally from, it was just easier to deal with it until she was able to have means to permanently get out of the area. I do. I got a 16 year old stepson. Yeah, I try to be. And a uh, 16-year-old, he's, he's working on like 24, 25, you know, really uh, uh, dancing on the nerves, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. He, he is extremely proficient. Uh, and and then my, my six-year-old, he is uh, he's extremely well, I want you to know something, okay? This is, we're going to bounce around a little bit in your story. I appreciate the courage that it took for you to share that memory, first of all. And then second of all, I want to encourage you to do something, uh, if you're willing. There are men in this room that I guarantee you, and I'm one of them, that would be happy to listen to you anytime you feel like that, about any subject that you'd like to talk about. Because I want you to hear this, very important. You're worth it, okay? And you're having the, the ability change the legacy that was given to you, right, with those two kids that you're involved with, and I'm proud of you for doing everything that you can and how to do it, okay? Thank you for sharing. to you. 
purpose for man, I, you know, it's, uh, I guess, I guess purpose to me, you know, there's, you know, I, I got a, you know, there's a slight difference in my family personally, it's got to be broke, and there ain't no way that's going to break that cycle for me. I don't want my kids growing up the same way that I grew up. Uh, I'm getting emotional. That's okay. <laughs> Well, 
I respect you, and I appreciate you sharing with us. Thank you very much, brothers. Thank you. Well, are you anxious? All the time? Are you all the time anxious? I carry around a little bit of that myself, but I let it out in like hyperactivity. You'll notice I don't stand still very often. I got in a lot of trouble with that family when I was a kid. So if you don't mind, share with me your earliest childhood memory. What you, what you well, I liked it when my dad came home. He ran like a CD program. So he came home and he was watching stories. Like a bad so he would come home at lunch and turn on the soap opera, and you would hang out with him and watch the soap opera? I watch it, yeah, that's the only way, because other than that, I've been outside. So. I stopped watching it, because I'd go outside, and I'd come back and be like, Mama, what happened? She'd be like, you should have stayed inside. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you a question. It wasn't really, I mean, it, y'all, y'all all hear what he just said. As a kid, how, how old were you? Relatively young, you think you were eight, seven, six, five, ten? Okay. What he was saying is, and correct me if I'm wrong, he just wanted to spend time with his dad. He didn't care what he was doing. It wasn't about whether his dad could impress him. It wasn't about his dad having the answers. He just wanted to be in his presence. Do you hear that? So how many kids you got? Five. What the ages? Thirty-two, thirty. 30, 22, 16. All right. So how many of those five are still at home? One is at home, but not with me. She went home. Okay. And when they were coming up, were you able to spend time with them and, and be a part of an active part of their lives? Well, they sure did. I can't get them. So I used to. Well, I appreciate you sharing with us today. Would you mind pouring out your cup and see what happens over here? What's it say on the bottom? Yes, sir. Did you, uh, when, you when you're Five, growing up, did you offer them validation? Pretty much. Now, what I'm going to tell you is, and tell everybody else here, is that it's not too late. Okay? That's the beauty of being a father and a father figure. As long as we're doing this, we still got an opportunity to do this. Okay? So, I don't care what age your kids are, you can still practice what's on the bottom of that cup. Okay? Thank you very much for sharing. Thank you.
when I was in pre-K, uh, the we were told that there wasn't going to be class the next day, and I was very young, so I couldn't articulate that to my mom to where she understood that there was no school tomorrow. So when it became time to go, I kept telling her, "I'm not going to school today," and she was, "No, you're going to school today," and I'm like, "No, mom, I'm not going to school today." So she took me to the pre-K daycare and uh, dropped me off and of course the doors were locked and my memory is chasing her down the street crying as she's driving off and leaving me there and um, I actually had to wave around it was at a church so I waved around until somebody showed up and they actually called me they were like we've not had any class today we need to come pick up your son um, and then Around the same time period, I had some cousins over at the house, and um, they convinced me that it would be very cool if I took two wires and wrapped them around the end of a lamp uh, where the plug goes into the socket. And I went, yeah. So, of course, I did it and uh, plugged it in and immediately blew out all the power in the entire house and uh, created quite a spark. It was pretty neat. Didn't end well. I mean, we, we got the power back on and everything moved on from there. But, uh, but yeah, those are, those are two that stood out. Well, that first one took a lot of courage to share, and I, I appreciate that. Is your mom still with us? No, sir. Where, how, did, how did your relationship with her end? It ended well. She Good. Was, uh, when I was in prison. Well, thank you for sharing that. It took a lot of courage to share that. Now, the other one I can relate to so, so, so well. Okay, uh, I, I was somewhat fascinated with electricity when I was around that age, and uh, my parents bought me a radio control car and had a, a wire antenna, a remote, and I thought it would be a great idea to soup up my car and make it go faster, to take that wire antenna and put it in the wall house, right? Yeah, so I had a similar experience. Now, it didn't go faster. It caught fire. It didn't work for me. But uh, so that memory, that one, how did that go as far as your, if you had to categorize it as a positive or a negative memory, even though the event may have seemed negative, how would you say that is? Is it a good memory or a bad memory? It's a bad memory. Oh, with electricity? No, that one, uh, that, no, that, no, that's not bad. That's actually humorous. Yeah. I love it. I love it. No, I, I knew the first one. I knew the category for the first one. I, I really appreciate the strength that it took share that. Now, the beauty of that story is, you know, and, and something we teach in our coaching and counseling practice uh, is a spirit of ownership, teaching people to, to take responsibility for their lives, for the choices and the results thereof. And in doing that, we have a line that we like to teach that nothing is done to us. Everything is done for us. Okay? Now, that's an arguable point in your story. That was definitely done to you, but at the same time, it was done for you as well. Because it, at this point, you're able to learn validation through it. Because you do have value. You do have worth. And the rest of us are not going to leave you that. Okay? Uh, and it also gave you an inspiration of how to do different things with yours. Right? It's created in me a sense of, of making myself be present for others. Exactly. You know? Because it, it, it's instilled in me this um, part of my makeup. You know, I 
I say I'm going to do something for somebody if I, you know, because I feel like I'm, it's just really important for me to be able to be a part and be present with other people. So I don't know if that comes from that or I took that with me from that, but it's, it became part of my family. Absolutely. Well, I'm proud of you, man. That's, that's huge stuff. And who are you here with? Uh, with the Unity. Oh. What do you do with it? I'm one of the staff. And, and see, he's given of himself to try to help other people now. And I can't help but think that all of that comes from that foundation of those trials and tribulations of your childhood. I'm proud of you for being here today. Would you mind pouring out your cup? Thank you. Thank you very much. Do you feel like your life has brought you to this point and that you are now in power? Um, through, through, through the power that's given to me from my Lord and Savior Christ, yes, I am in power. Very good, very good. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you very much. I gave him two balls, and on those balls, one is written shame and one is written lonely. And I pray that this man never feels either of those two things again in his life. All right? We only have a few minutes left in our segment, uh, so we should keep things on time. Uh, thank you, everybody, for participating, and uh, we'll see if we can't maybe do a few more things uh, uh, later on. With that being said, we'll have a couple of closing comments, and then we'll uh, turn it back over to Sydney and staff. So uh, I want you to understand Whenever we are put in a situation where there is those insecurities, and most of the men in the room uh, did have a lot of fond memories of a few men that talked about uh, some of the more difficult times. We also uh, heard the concept of uh, what I like to call uh, father mothers, because there's a lot of mothers that took over, you know, where a father wasn't present, and, and that was amazing. And, uh, and obviously, they did outstanding jobs. Uh, we may not have seen the result. I appreciate Rob's word, but results never lie. They never lie. Results always tell the truth. Even if they're not good, still tell the truth. And the result is you're here, and you're present, and you're active, and you're pushing forward into a greater purpose. Unfortunately, sometimes when those difficult things do come up, we can find ourselves drifting into supplements to fill that void that Rob talked about. And uh, we all have it. We've all done it. We're not proud of it. We can call it a shame, if you will. But if we can't take that as a uh, as a force rather than a tourist, then we miss the opportunity. It's all about opportunity, and that's what today is all about. It's about giving you an opportunity to challenge those concepts and then move forward into a, a better tomorrow. So thank you for giving me time. I'm going to have a few closing comments. So I'm proud of everyone. Thank you. Well, I want everybody to look up here, and we're not going to be able to finish the little little demonstration. All of you who have a cup with a ping pong ball in it, congratulations that's your souvenir. But if we were to finish, it would illustrate to you that if you allow others the opportunity to pour out what they have in them, you will be filled. You understand? This is the representation of fatherhood. For all of you who <coughs> take on an inquisitive lifestyle, a, a practice of curiosity, you will become the most fulfilled, empowered, and uh, abundant people in existence. 
So that would be my closing thing. And I also would like to know if any of you have any questions before we run away. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you, you have a ping pong ball? Yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> so uh, thank you for all of you who participated, which is everyone in the room. And thank you for being so patient with us. Uh, I hope that you handled this. I, I appreciate the attention. Uh, thank you to Buckner and the whole team for having us out today. And uh, that's it.